Hello and welcome to another episode of Hollow Hearts 101 with Dr. Jacqueline De Rosario, America's marriage coach. This week we talk about philosophy of love, which is self-love. And this week we have our own guest, Delro, weighing in on a few topics about the complexities and the ins and outs of self-love. This will be a great episode for you guys this week. Take care and, you know, give us a like, comment, and subscribe. Hey, it's a good day in the neighborhood. And I'm not Mr. Rogers, you got Dr. Jackie here. And I wanna talk to you about philatio love. That's self-love, everybody. Self-love. Boy, that's a weird sounding word, isn't it? But it's a good one. Self-love, I hear people think about, you know, self-improvement, self-care, self-esteem. We can look at all of these different things, but self-love to me is really the key. And it's getting harder and harder to come by in the 21st century, particularly now that we've gone through the trauma of COVID. What are you doing to take care of yourself? Have you been good to yourself? Self-love is as simple as taking a warm bath and making sure that you love yourself as you're wiping the soap over your skin, not rushing because you're worth just that tender care. Self-love is doing something for you. Those are the obvious things, right? We know about taking care of your health. We know about taking care of your mental health. We know about taking me time. All of those are things that become a little cliches because we hear them all the time. But I really wanna drill down on self-love and I wanna talk about something that's a little bit more abstract. And with me I have joining me Aaron Delro. That's what you go by, correct, sir? That would be correct, ma'am. Well, Delro, welcome to the program, the podcast. Oh, thank you I'm, for having me. I'm really me. interested to, and you balancing out my female perspective, even though, you know, I tell everybody all the time, I speak male very well, raised in a household of nothing but brothers, now the mother of two males and a husband, so I've always been the only XX chromosome, and I'm pretty happy being there. Yes, yes. Well, I want to talk about this idea of self-love. Self-love is really about how we feel about ourselves, which can also be called self-esteem, right? But self-esteem is not a constant. And I know that there's a lot of people that talk about how you should always be on and you should always love yourself. And, and all of that stuff is true, but I want people to really understand that it's a process. And don't get down on yourself because truly self-esteem and self-love ebbs and flows, right? It's like water. It's based on the events of life that go beyond what's normal. So it's never a constant. So I don't want you to feel bad because you go up and down. Just give yourself a hand clap and say, I'm normal, because you really are. What's most important though, is that you learn how to recover when you are experiencing a lack of self-esteem, self-love, self-help, and that sort of thing. How do you recover? Would you like to sound off on that? I would love to sound off on that. I, I, I take a stab right now. Um, I would say, and you're the expert, Dr. Jackie, but I would say that self-love is the most important love, the most crucial love. And self-love is actually about what you won't do. When you love yourself, you're not going to put your whole values and body and whole soul and mind at risk. You're not going to do that. So to me, self-love has always been about what you won't do. When you love yourself, you're not gonna risk everything that you worked for and put it on the line at a moment's notice. When you love yourself, you're not gonna allow somebody 
to really come and bruise your self-esteem and bruise your ego and bruise who you are as a person in your inner workings and what you've worked so hard to become. You know, I like that. It's about what you won't do. It's, it's what you won't do. Like DJ Khaled said, never play yourself. Mm. Now DJ Khaled is amazing. Never I was just watching something that he did just recently. His love for his son and his new album is just all of that. But you know, even that is an aspect of self-love. He's loving the him that's in his child. Isn't that amazing? But you know, I like to talk about how will you recover though? when you do stumble and fall. And what I always tell people, sometimes you gotta remember who you were before they broke your heart. Broke your heart. You gotta remember who you were before you suffered that loss, failure, or disappointment. And sometimes in remembering, you recapture, you regain the ground that you had and you, you begin to re-see, right? Mm -hmm. Re-see your situation. Sometimes it's framed and your mental model is lying to you and it's not what you think it is. So you gotta remember who you were before it broke your heart, before they broke your heart. And you know, this up and down process around our self-love is really important because this thing that I'm talking about, when you were broken, failures break us, right? Disappointments break us. And you know, I always thought about that because in my life I thought about things in terms of black and white, either it's good or it's bad. And I think that when we uh, divorce ourselves of those very, um, strict views, we really began to allow wisdom to seep in. Mm -hmm. We really allow the borders of our thinking to expand so that we begin to get a bird's eye view, which is really more accurate and perceptive about our surroundings. And what I've really learned is that, you know, you really can't be happy unless you experience sadness. You really need the yin and the yang. I really can't be feeling successful unless I've really experienced failure as well. I can't go up unless I know what it is to go down. And so I wanted to talk about this whole aspect around these ups and downs and this breaking process that happens in our life. You know, it was for me the idea that somebody broke my heart, a negative thing. And I, I went through one of the most tragic heartbreaks of my life. So I can only think of two. One was like one of my first deep loves. You know, I, I almost have, feel like I got to brag to say it, but you know, when I was a dating chick, you know, and I didn't date very much, but nobody ever broke my heart. I was the heartbreaker because I really tried to have it my way or the highway, that was my motto. But I remember I was, you know, throwing my weight around with this guy I was dating and I told him, well, that's it. I'd already done that before. And, but usually he'd come crawling back after a day or two. Day two went by, no phone call. Day three went by, no phone call. My brow started to wrinkle. I got worried, like, what's going on? Day four, I'm like trying to find out what's, what's happening. Brother had done moved on. I guess he said, you know, Jack Back is too much drama. Let me try to find me a new sidekick. And that broke my heart. Uh, the other thing that broke my heart was a girl who was like a spiritual daughter to me. Now, you know, I told y'all I'm around men all the time. So now I have this spiritual daughter. People thought that we were sisters and that sort of thing. Yeah, that's because I looked that young. <laughs> but anyways, she broke my heart because I gave everything for her. But what, what it did for me is in the interim, with all that pain that I went through, I realized that it gave me something that I didn't have before. It definitely pushed out the borders of what I call um, unconditional love. I was able to love that girl no matter what. She was very flawed, but I loved her no matter what. And 
even though she hurt me, I also was able to let it go and say, you know what? I don't even want restitution. I don't even want recompense. I don't want, I definitely don't want retaliation. I just let it go. And what I learned is that I'm where I am now because of the breaking that happened in my heart because of with that girl. So what am I saying? Breaking, heartbreak is like uh, a vessel that is broken and the potter puts it back on the wheel again to reshape it into something new. If your heart was not broken, you could not move on to the next echelon of your life. It is the breaking of your heart that allows it to be fashioned into another form if we allow it to be broken in a, broken in a healthy way. But what happens, just like when you learn, fights are, are good as long as you learn to fight fair. But what happens with breaking heartbreak is a lot of times it we're, we're tempted to change who we are on our own instead of allowing the process of the breaking to change us. What do we do? We tend to say, I'll never love again. I ain't never gonna let anybody do this. I'm not gonna ever show this to anyone again. And we begin to put up walls that changes the very architect of our soul. The architecture of our soul is change. We used to give, we were giving loving person. Now we become cold, stingy, and frugal. You've changed the context, the complexion of your soul. That's not good. But if you allow the breaking to teach you something, if you allow the breaking to make you into the new person that you need to become, then everything about you evolves in a better, more productive way. I don't stop loving. I just learned who not to give my love to. You got me? I don't stop giving. I become wiser to recognize who is the proper recipient of my generosity. I don't build up a wall. Hey, 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 once again, welcome back to Hollow Hearts 101. On this podcast, we give you time to reflect and we even ask some questions of you so you can think about things. Do you build up a wall? Were you once a giving person and now became more guarded, more fortified as a result of being hurt? That is not self love. Think about times where you have decided to be more self guarded or decided to be a different person because someone hurt you. Reflect on these things. Yeah, I I think for me, you know, self-love in that essence is, is different for me because I've always been grateful, very grateful for the lows that brought me into the highs. Uh, I've always had an appreciation for the lows because that that low point drives me a bit. You know, I get upset in a different way. I I channel a different form of energy and just gratitude and and I lean in on my faith, you know, um, as well. But moreover, I think a lot of people don't love themselves because they can't sit with themselves. I'll give you a quick example. I have a friend of mine that's been separated for some time you know, many would say divorced by all standards. And this individual, this friend of mine does not sit with their self. They don't love themselves and just sit with themselves. They're always distracting themselves and moving around and doing all kinds of things and preoccupying themselves 
uh, so that they don't have to sit with themselves. I think when you really love yourself, you can sit with yourself. And I, I'll speak to a breakup like you did as well, Dr. Jackie. When I, when I had a very significant breakup back in 2017, I sat with myself. I even sat with myself on the couch on a Saturday doing absolutely nothing and sat there and said, this sucks. You know, this, this is a terrible place to be in. And I was saying those things. I were to push it out of my system so that I can start to heal. You know, and my self-love was really honing in on, okay, what did I take from this? What did I not like? What did I like? How can I move forward? How can I be better? Instead of cursing the other person out for for any hate, hurt or pain, how do I become a better me and then brace myself to get back out there eventually, right? Gradually, not right away. Not going like a lot of men do and messing with this woman and the next one and the next one, trying to heal physically. Instead, I really applied self-love and sat with myself Mm -hmm. and learned more about myself, the ins and outs of what I like and what I appreciate, what I don't like. And what was the best thing that you took away from that? What was the greatest lesson? That not everything is a big deal. Not everything needs to be taken so seriously. If you can actually carve away from making certain situations, arguments, disagreements serious, you'll just be a lot happier, you know? I think a lot of people allow pride to tap into their inner workings of relationships, whether it's friendships, romantic relationships, what have you. And I believe that that all ties back into self-love because when you don't love yourself, when you're upset about something that you feel is inadequate, it spews. It spews like slime. I don't know if you remember slime from Nickelodeon. You just throw it all over the place. It spews. It's all over the place. It contaminates. Oh, absolutely. It will contaminate your soul. Big time. It will contaminate your future relationship. Your attitude. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, your ability to be grateful. Mm -hmm. You come off sour to people now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's something that I just never wanted. I wanted when people see me or I walk in the room, my presence is felt, yes, but it's felt in a positive light. It's in an empowering light. Um, and then romantically the same. I want to uplift the the woman that I'm with. You know, I don't want that woman to ever feel like I'm dragging, you know, her down. So I think that was my takeaway from from that, uh, you know, time period of healing. But it was self, self-love by way of isolation. Mm-hmm. I, and I think that's part of it. Well, you know what it was for me? That relationship of heartbreak. I had to realize that. Being with that girl was for me to step to the platform of Dr. Jackie. That that was the very thing. Those were the birth pains that pushed me to Dr. Jackie. Prior to that, I wasn't Dr. Jackie, but I learned so much from that messed up girl, from her life and all of the intricacies of it. I learned a lot about honing my craft on the knowledge that I gained from that relationship. So what was the cost? The cost was some heartbreak. That was my tuition for the lessons that I learned that birthed me into a new career dynamic. So, you know, I love this whole thing. To me, self-love is also loving a positive perspective. You deserve it. And I think that sometimes for me, I've been caught up on well, what truth, what's truth and what's not true. Truth is think on whatever things are good and pure and a good report. Think only of those things. So I'm putting good thoughts into a good heart and into a good mind. That's good for my soul. And so I think that that's another aspect of self-love when we talk about it from the context of taking care of yourself. Is is there a way that self-love can be done negatively or self-love turns into self-indulgence? And how can you tell the difference? 
I think that self-love becomes indulgence when you're obsessing. Everything needs to be in balance. And when you do anything to an excess, uh, I, I, I really, and y'all might not like me now, but Dr. J's going to have to lay it down. But there's people that are really health freaks and they love, you know, doing all, I'm going to eat this and I'm going to eat that. If you think that anything that you put in your body is not good, do you understand? It's your drinking death or eating death onto yourself. I, you're putting a faith on a food product. And, you know, you talked about turning to your faith, um, Delro, and I feel the same way. I just feel like anything that you do in excess, like you got to be working out every day because, or you got to only eat this or only eat that, and there's no liberty. For me, a lot of people might not agree with that. You got to look at what you put your faith on. And you also need to be looking at the people that are still running 10 miles, a, 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 you know, uh, a day and that are dropping dead. You got to figure out what is it that I'm doing for myself. You know, I we were talking about Kobe Bryant the other day. He loved himself as an, an MVP. He loved himself as a GOAT, the greatest ever. And so he worked and worked and worked and worked for it. I admire that. I love everything that he did. I think that he was one of the most admirable men that I've looked at in some time. He spoke several languages. He... Um, was very intellectual. He was a good father, loved and adored by many, and has left an indelible mark on the craft. I mean, I think that that's undisputed. But I think still self-love is not pushing yourself. I think it's just balance. Being able to be there and enjoy the life that you're given, you know, so that you're not just working, working, working all the time. And I think it's whatever you put your faith on and that you focus on. You know, so if I focus on that, I can I don't believe anybody can have it all. I don't think that God created the earth and man and mankind to give us everything because then that is that that's his that's his job you're taking. Right. But I do believe that you can have most of what you want. I don't believe you can have it all. And I think that there's consequences for all the things that we aim for in life. So I think that if we aim for balance. It's a good aim. It's a good target that most people can hit. How does one balance self-love versus the concept of being selfish? I think I'm going to go back to the first question to even chime in on this question as well. I think it goes hand in hand. I think uh, the overindulgence of self-love looks like irresponsibility. Um, and, you know, you probably say, hey, like, what the heck does that mean? It means doing things that don't make sense. If you have $1,000 in your bank account and you go on a shopping spree for $3,000 and claim self-love, that doesn't make sense. You're doing things that are backwards, that ultimately not helping you. And a lot of people do those kind of things. And I bring that up more so because of the presence and impact of social media. And I think it's a topic that gets discussed, but I don't think we go in depth enough, right? Um, so people will call things self-love just because they have ability now to showcase it to the world, right? And to show people. And it's over the top things that really aren't even bringing them true joy. It's just this false sense it's of satisfaction because you clicked and double tapped exactly. twice on my photo. Exactly. So now I'm gaining this love that's not real, now, you know? Now hit on that though, Delroe, because you're talking about self-love through social media. So let's frame this properly. We're saying that your idea of self-love is that people like your photos and stuff like that. And we all know, because we all do social media, a lot of that stuff is derived. Who's taking pictures of their food? 
who's going on a trip and they got to get these special shots? You know, it, it, and, it, and it's the new norm of what people have deemed as the metric for what's a good life. Yeah. And we know that it can't be true because more people are committing suicide now, more right. people are unhappy as a direct result of social media. And I'm going to make fun of myself right now for a second. You know, people claim like being foodies and I take pictures of, of great know. meals and That's things of that nature as well. I don't claim to be foodie anymore because I heard a great joke from from an African comedian that basically said, what is a foodie? That doesn't even make sense. Everybody's a foodie. We all eat. We all need to eat. So there can't be foodies in this world, which makes perfect sense to me if you really think about it. And you go to the old adage and, you know, parents used to say it back in the day, like, oh, they're starving children in whatever nation. Right. That's true. How overprivileged are we that we take, you know, these images of these extravagant meals or what we think to be extravagant or what have you. So I just think, um, you know, we, we've gotten a, a lot of things backwards in terms of self-love and we've gotten away from things that just make sense, like I mentioned before. Uh, we're out of balance a little bit. Well, I want to say this about self. Self-love for me is loving others. I feel loved when I love others because it generates something inside of me that is indescribable. When I give and I do for someone else, when I make someone else happy, when I give something to someone and I see that it meant something to them and I gave it out of my heart, that I thought about it and it cost me something to give it to them, that means a lot to me. So that's self-love for me. Self-love for me is giving back. Self-love for me is being true to myself. Self-love is also being honest with myself. Because let's face it, we all lie, but one thing we shouldn't do is lie to ourselves. And so all of those things for me are measures of self-love. How do you define self-love? Is self-love something that you prescribe to? Is self-love giving? Is self-love reflection? What is your definition of self-love? And just like Dr. Jackie said, don't lie to yourself. You have to be true with yourself in order to figure out what yourself really wants. So, Take this time to define what self-love looks like to you. I just want to balance, you talk about balance a lot. You have self-love and then you have a family. Self-love and your job. Self-love as a CEO, mm -hmm. as both of you people are. Mm -hmm. How does how do you find that time to have that self-love when this doesn't seem like there's enough hours in the day. Yeah, and, and that's a really, really good question simply because as a CEO of a couple of companies, as a mother, as a wife, I think that, again, when I talk about how this process of self-love is not a constant, it ebbs and it flows. Similarly, I think your ability to show it in the face of motherhood, in the face of you know being a C-suite individual or you know being a parent, I think it ebbs and it flows because some things happen. Like we just had a, you know, it could have been you lost some staff and now you got to fill in. Well, that's temporary, but you got to have an intent that is going to be temporary. You got to be looking for that exit or for the resolve of that as soon as possible. So yes, it's going to take things out of kilter, but I think that everything has to do with intention, what your intentions are. And you know, I hear a lot of people say, yeah, I didn't want that to happen. I didn't mean for that to happen. So I don't mean intentions like that. I mean, your intention that you're trying to create, that you're trying to draw to yourself what it is that you want through active behaviors. 
not passive behaviors. I'm gonna say that again. I'm talking about your intentions as active behaviors to create change, not passive ones. There's a lot of people that are hoping and wishing and even praying, and they got God on that. Well, God, I've been praying about so-and-so and it hasn't happened yet, but they have done nothing on their own other than pray and ask. So, you know, that's how I would uh, say, say that balance has to occur. It, it might rock and roll a little bit. You might go up and down with it, but you have to be intentional about regaining your equilibrium. I think that, um, you know, when you talk about people with, with busy schedules and attaining that balance, it's really important to just know that self-love is going to look different throughout the seasons. Like your life has seasons, you have different, you know, time periods, um, and that self-love may look, may look very different, you know. Uh, for instance, there may be a season where stuff is nonstop at work. You may need to take that day and just like zone out watch TV, lay around, do nothing, get a massage, whatever that looks like for you. Um, and then there's moments like for me, for example, where my self-love is quality time with people that I really love, you know, family, friends, where I could just step away from everything. And it's just a day dedicated or two days straight day dedicated to nothing but family and friends. Um, and those are the moments where, you know, I'm able to recharge. So I think it's very, you know, just important to just think through the seasons of your life and just knowing that that self love is not always going to look exactly the same. Mm -hmm. mm. Well, I was going to just add this self love means nurturing, growing yourself, self development, developing your intellect and your skills and your talents. What investment are you making on yourself other than the school of hard knocks? You should be registered somewhere, learning something. My God, now there's podcasts, there's YouTube. Stop learning how to put on makeup and learn how to do something better with your life. Learn how to do QuickBooks so you can be doing accounting on bookkeeping on the side. What are you doing so that you can take better vacations and take good and take time to pamper yourself? You know, it's also self love is teaching people how to treat you. How do you want to be treated? Sometimes it's that you lack the skill sets to teach them how to do that. And you want everybody to be responsible for something that you're not willing to do yourself. So I have one of my clients and I was telling her, you need to learn assertiveness. You need assertiveness training. That will teach people how to treat you. And then taking care of yourself in terms of health. I just think, again, we talked about moderation and balance, but have you set a diet plan for yourself? meaning that there's things that you're going to stay away from. There's things that you want to put in your diet that are not currently in your diet. It could be something that simple. There's a notion of a Kaizen. Kaizen is a theory that if you want to lose weight. So instead of trying to put yourself on this crash diet, you do small little things. You do one small thing at a time and it will move the needle. So say that it is that you say that you're going to put a Fitbit band on and you're going to get 4,000 steps in a day. So that's all you work on. You can do that by parking further away from the, the, the job and just walk into the store, walk into your office or, you know, or take a walk around the block when you get home. That's one thing that you do. I've told people, just do 10 sit-ups in the morning in your bed. You ain't even got to get out of the bed. Just do 10 sit-ups. And then after a week or two, add another activity to that. 10 sit-ups, maybe, you know, jumping jacks for a minute, 60 seconds. You know, a wall sit for 
three to do three waltzes for three um, minutes each. I'm mean, a minute each three times, something like that. But taking care of your health. As far as so, I hear a lot about the self balance and the self improvement. Um, how does one take a negative self image that they've either received and get to places where they can even be available for self improvement? Mm. You're talking about a stigma. Mm -hmm. A negative self-image, and I've been doing some studying on stigmas. Stigmas are where people start to create a, it's almost like a rumor about you or a feeling about you, and it creates an identity. So they say, oh, so-and-so, you know, she's like this, or so-and-so, you know, they're like that. It could be that they say, oh, this person's hard, or this person's this, or whatever it is. And it becomes an identifier for you. That's a stigma. So you're known by this so-called rumor, this so-called identifier that most often is not even true. So a stigma is something that is really big to me. It takes on a spiritual connotation. So it starts off as something that people just do. But then when it takes on a life of itself, it becomes emboldened. I believe it takes on a spiritual application. And so breaking a stigma for me is something that I believe you need to use your faith to overcome. Apart from that, I think on a, on, a, on a natural level, you need to not come into agreement with it. And you need to isolate yourself and to begin to do what Delroy, what you're saying. Sit with yourself and start to do some reflection and figure out what are the emotions that you have that surround the feelings of this stigma. When people say this to you or when they make this assertion about you, what are the emotions? You know, Eleanor Roosevelt said this, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. So what she's saying in essence is that unless you come into agreement with it. So you got to find out, did, have you come into agreement with what they're saying about you? And I can tell you this is one way for you to know. If you have a question mark in your mind, you've come into agreement with it. If you sometimes wonder or, or tussle with the idea, is it true or is it false? You've come into agreement with it. And so I think that emotionally it starts with you breaking that agreement. That is not true about me. And instead, you might need to be doing some declarations every morning. I am thus and so. And it should be the opposite of whatever this stigma is saying that you are. I heavily agree with that. I just also approach things differently. Um, I think I'm like a rare breed. I really don't care what a lot of people think. You know, I, I think I was brought up by two strong-willed individuals that just really didn't speak that into my life and kind of breathed into me this is who you are, this is who you are, this is who you are. And I know that most people don't have that luxury. Um, and I was blessed to have that. However, um, I will say that's something you can adapt and, and grow and build within yourself, um, without a doubt. When you understand who you are and how you operate, you can certainly you know, deny people the ability to tell you about yourself in that regard you know, and tell you what you're about and what you, you know, do on a regular basis. Um, so I think it's so it's such a powerful piece of self-love to have that inner confidence to just know like, hey, these individuals, these people, this group of people, this set of people are saying this about me, but that has no bearing on how I move, how I operate, what I do in and out and how I love other people. Um, and to me, that's so significant because we go back to social media, we go back to what people consume right on TV and different forms of media. And that's not what's being spoken about. People are being classified and put in boxes, 
you know, like just because a woman is attractive and has over 10K followers on Instagram, she's an IG model. No, you're not an IG model. Maybe she just acquired that following because of the kind of content she put out. You know, you never know. But, um, you know, I, I am a huge believer in not being classified and not being siloed into categories. You know, I think you can forge your own path and break out of that. And you do that by loving yourself first and really knowing yourself. So I have a question. Is You say by loving yourself, but is that a process that you do at one time and you're done? Or is that even ongoing? I think I almost want to throw that question back at you, Dr. Jackie, because you're the expert. But moreover, I think it has to be a process. That's not a one and done. Uh, I think there's rare individuals that have. It's funny because Zay and I earlier were talking about this irrational confidence, you know, but those are rare individuals and you don't have uh, you don't come by those people that often. I don't think. But what would you say, though, Delroe, to the person that's not like you that has this rare confidence? And they are struggling right now, whether it's because it's a situation that's arisen in their life or that they just find themselves in need of leveling up to that next level of confidence. What would you say to those individuals that need to learn to do that? Well, I like what you said. You know, you you mentioned declarations. I think there's steps that you take. And I think those steps look different for everybody. I don't I don't one thing I'm not an advocate of is like blanketing it and making it seem like every like everything that we say here today is going to work for everybody the same way. I think there's options to it, but I love what you said about declarations. So I'll stick there. Declarations, affirmations and just speaking positivity and blessings into your life is the first step, I believe, because what it does is you start to change your mind. Um, you know, a friend of mine uh, during a, a uh, summit that we did actually made a beautiful example. He made everybody in a room. It was like 800 students close their eyes. And he said, can you imagine a blue sky with clouds in it? And everybody said yes. And everybody could see it. They got the, the motion and, and vision in their mind. And then at moments notice, he said, now imagine a night sky. And everybody said that they could see it and they had their eyes closed. They could see it. They're raising their hands. They're feeling around. And he says, that's how fast you can change your mind. Mm -hmm. That was powerful. Mm -hmm. Right. And why I love that example so much is because that's how you can change your mentality. Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying to make it sound like it's easy. I know that I have a rare mindset and a rare confidence. However, I know that even I have to go back and change my mind on certain things. And by changing your mind, you change your overall mentality, which also changes what? Your attitude. And when you start to meet different things in your life with attitude that's positive, upbeat, you know, progressive, then I believe that you're, the way that you self-love and love yourself in general changes. I agree. Well, did you know that when you actually do affirmations, when you're speaking them out, that there's a part of the frontal lobe of your brain that actually activates. It doesn't turn on, but it turns on at the sound of your own words speaking to yourself. In addition to that, when you speak softly to your own body, it doesn't really matter, but when you say something about your health, about your own self, they found, scientists have found, that it changes the chemical composition of your very body to align to whatever it is you're saying about the body. Oh, I got all this cellulite. Or, oh, you know, 
uh, my muscles are so weak or oh whatever it is though the chemicals in your body begin to change to make whatever you said about yourself true so i think that what you're saying about that the power of affirmations is really important i think that we have to change our mind by changing our thoughts we have to change our thoughts by changing our emotions and so one of the things i say is god heal my emotions because you know emotions are they'll they'll lie to you just because you feel something doesn't mean that it's true and so i think that there's that cycle or that chain that we see emotions thoughts behaviors and then beliefs and so um i think that you've given quite a bit of information for us to you know make sure that we show self-love i want to thank you today for tuning in this has been a really good topic that I, I, I love having you here, Delro. I think I heard some things that I really enjoyed. I, I liked everything that you said, actually. And I hope that our listeners will really benefit from this podcast. Love yourself today. Be good to yourself. Be kind to yourself. And remember that you're important.